timer up there. I got a very strict timer. They got red lights going off and... <laughs> hey, so I would encourage you, can I encourage you guys to read ahead next week? We will be, in, for next week, we'll be in the book of Ephesians. And so read ahead, prepare your hearts. Ephesians is an epic book. They're all good. And the men's conference was great yesterday, huh, men? Was that amazing yesterday? It was so good. If you were not able to go, dudes, I think they're going to put the teachings online, is what I heard. So I encourage you um, guys to go online, check it out. We were truly blessed. Galatians 6 is where we're at. Galatians 6, everybody there? Getting there? Where did we leave off? You guys remember where we left off? Finish 10, starting 11. Correct? Is that right, gang? All right. Lord, we are so grateful to be together this morning. We recognize it's you who's gathered us. Lord, as a family, as your flock, thank you that you are our good shepherd for how you shepherd our lives, how you care for us. Thank you that you know everything going on, Lord, in our individual lives, in our homes, in your church. Thank you that you are the God who sees, you are the God who hears, you hear the cries of our hearts. You hear our prayers. Thank you for how you answer our prayers. And this morning, Lord, we, as we gather together, you've called us to come to you, Jesus, to learn from you. And that is our desire this morning, to learn from you. And again, you know exactly what we need to hear. May we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. May we put into practice, Lord, the things that you're teaching us. And so we thank you for the great things you're going to do. We, God, we need a fresh work of your Spirit. And so we commit this time to you now. We open our hearts to all that you want to do for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so we are getting into the, uh, just the final portion of this letter. And just by way of reminder, I know I've repeated myself every week, um, not necessarily for your benefit, but for my benefit. I need to be reminded of where Paul began and, and, and how he's going to end this letter Remember, the Apostle Paul, on his first missionary journey, came to this area of Galatia. It's in modern-day Turkey. You can check it out. A lot of us have, in the back of our Bibles, Bible maps. You can see the area. Paul went there, and it was because of a, a physical infirmity. It was because of an illness that he had that brought him to that area to preach the gospel. And even in the midst of his suffering, and we're going to learn later, he talks about the marks of Jesus Christ that he bore in his body for serving the Lord. Even with the, the suffering that he went through, he didn't shut down ministry, but he ramped up ministry. He saw this as an opportunity to reach more people in the condition that he was in, and he came and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happened? We know what happened. Lots of people opened their hearts to Jesus. They gave their hearts to Jesus, 
and a radical transformation happened. They began in the Spirit. Many of us have had that same experience. When we opened, our, opened up our hearts to the Lord, we gave Jesus our hearts, and he does this amazing thing. The Bible says we're born again, right? We're born again. We've been made alive spiritually. We are now new creations in Christ, and it's glorious. And God began this work in the Spirit, and then eventually the Apostle Paul had to leave. He bailed. He took off, left there, and churches sprung up out of his ministry to these precious people. I mean, amazing fruit happened. And then what happened was some people crept into the church or came into the church, and you remember their names, what they're called? Judaizers, right? And they, it seemed like they followed Paul around, kind of like the Pharisees followed Jesus around like big erasers trying to erase what he was doing. You guys remember them, the Pharisees? Judaizers, same deal. Legalists, right? Sin sniffers, critical, fault-finding. But they came into the church and they introduced a false gospel, a, Paul says, a perverted gospel. They were saying, oh, it's great that you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. But you need to do something else, too. Men, you need to get circumcised. Is that good news, by the way, dudes? No. You need to keep Torah. You need to keep the law. You need to keep the rules if you want to attain righteousness and maintain righteousness. It's not that simple. The gospel is not that easy. You also need to add your own works and your own efforts. Is that good news? Is that a true gospel? No, that's bogus. If anyone ever tries to tell you something different than by grace through faith, listen, they're a liar. Are you with me? I mean, so many people have given their lives for the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have no business changing it or perverting it or dumbing it down or watering it down. We need to share the word of God as it is, not be editors to the word of God or editors to the gospel. Because it's the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's sharing the good news and, and sharing the cross of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross and his resurrection, dying for our sins, suffering and dying for you and for me, enduring the cross. He paid the penalty in his life's blood for the, for the, for the junk and the destructive things we've done to ourselves and to others. He paid the price. He suffered, he died, and he rose again on the third day. And he'll come into any heart, and he'll come in, he'll forgive you, not only forgive you of all your sins, all your lawless deeds, but what else? He'll give his righteousness to you. Is that good news? Anybody want an amen this morning? Correct? Can you make that righteousness better? Can you take away from that righteousness? You cannot. It's a free gift. It's a free gift, right standing before God, right relationship with God Almighty. But not just that, then another miracle happens. Not only is your sin debt totally removed, not only are you accredited with Christ's righteousness to your account, but also a miracle happens. God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in your heart. And what does he begin to do? He begins to do a work, doesn't he? Does he do a work? He changes us, doesn't he? Does he fix us? Or do you fix yourself? He fixes us, doesn't he? He changes us and transforms our lives and he's with us and he comforts us and he helps us, the amazing work of the Spirit. And so Paul is saying what's begun in the Spirit must continue in the Spirit. We, we walk in the Spirit day by day, right? We live in the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. We have an ear to hear, right? 
what the Spirit is saying. We have a heart that's obedient to his word, feet that are willing to follow him. We're being led by the Spirit. And what begins to happen? We start to sow right to the Spirit. We say, you know what? I'm done sowing to the flesh. I've seen what that reaps in my life. I've seen the harvest of the junk that I've poured in, garbage in, garbage out. And now I've tasted and seen the Lord is good. He's gracious. And I start sowing these good seeds into my heart. And what happens? Amazing things start to grow. Oh, it takes some time. It takes a little while. I start to serve the Lord. And I start to get plugged in in fellowship and and start to to plug in. And you start to use my giftings and callings that God has given me. And I trust in his spirit to do that. Wow, look at the great things that God does. What's begun in the spirit must continue in the spirit. You don't, just, you don't just say, you know what, Lord, it began the Spirit, now I can take it from here. I got this thing, right? We just say, okay, Lord, the same, listen, we start the same way, we continue the same way. We say, Lord, I need you. Is that how you guys came to Jesus? I need you. <laughs> Lord, I need you. Every day, Lord, I need you. Isn't that a song? Right? Something like that? Is that a song? Maybe if not, that's a good one to write. <laughs> and so, so Paul's writing this letter to correct and to encourage, to teach. And now as we get into the, that's a long enough intro, isn't it? Let's, let's get rolling. Let's get into the word. Let's see what it says. Verse 11. Because Christianity, listen, Christianity is not about rule keeping. It's not about keeping standards. It's about a relationship with the true and the living God. And and Paul's going to make sure as he closes here that we understand that. And he says in verse 11, I'm going to read down to verse 15. God's word says, Paul writes, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised. Why? That they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So let me draw your attention to verse 11, just for a second there. And, and Paul's like, look at this. Is there an exclamation point at the end of that verse, by the way? So this is emphatic. Paul's like, look at the giant font I'm using here. <laughs> right? This is like 30-something font I'm writing in. <laughs> to you. It's me writing this letter. And we don't know if it was the whole letter was in all caps or giant like like kindergarten alphabet. We don't know if it's the whole letter or just this portion because Paul would typically dictate or, or communicate what he wanted to write to a secretary or it's called an amanuensis. And they would begin to, a stenographer, they would write down what Paul was saying But Paul's saying, listen, I'm writing you with this big font. Why is he writing in big font? Why do you typically use big font? You've got eye eye issues? 
Some people believe it was because Paul had eye issues, right? Remember earlier we learned in this book, right? Paul said, you would have given me, you would have taken out out your own eyes and given them to me because of the love now that you have. Because of the changed life, there was love. You would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me to help me to see. It's been suggested that maybe Paul had eye problems or maybe he's writing in all caps because this is emphatic. Like he wants them to get this. He's emphasizing his care for them. I'm writing this to you. I want you to get this. I want you to know this is from me. And I want you to understand it's all about the cross. I think it communicates care that he wrote. You guys remember back in the day, some of us, when we used to just write letters? That's the only really form of communication. Maybe not smoke signals. Does some of you have smoke signals? I don't know. But we'd write, you guys remember, I used to write Tanya letters, love letters. And then what do you do? You put it in the um, stamp, right? You guys remember that? Some of you guys remember that? You guys still do that? Anybody? A couple of us still do that? What is it now? Now we send an, e- an email, right? Or, that, or that's the next thing. We text, right? And then what do we do after texting? What is it now? You guys know what it is. Emojis. Is that what they're called? Emojis? We don't even use words anymore. It's just... <laughs> Listen, I, reading this this week and just kind of meditating on some of the things that are written here, I'm convicted. Because I'm a big emoji. Some of you guys are like, yeah, Pastor, you sent me those hang loose emojis. And... <laughs> but you know what I realize? It just doesn't... There's, just, there's a lack of concern. Can't I just write... You know, instead of a heart, I love you. I miss you. Man, I, want, I, just, I wish I was hanging out with you. We've gotten away from that, haven't we? Correct? You guys with me on that? That's, that was for me. I don't know if that's for anybody here, but that was for me. Man, to, to really, it, I think when we do write something, it does communicate our, our heart, our concern for someone right? It's even, it's gone beyond emojis, hasn't it? Now when someone writes something, you can just put a little thumbs up or a heart, right? Is that right? Is that what it is? A little. So Paul's like, I really, listen, I really want you to get this. I'm closing this letter. I'm, I've been writing with big font. And he says, he goes on to say, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. Is that good to do, to try to make a good showing in the flesh? Is that good or bad? That's bad. That's like showboat, like trying to draw attention to yourself type of stuff. And, and Paul's saying here, these people who, who want to make a display, that want to show off carnally, they constantly urge you to be circumcised, to perform this ritual in order to become righteous or to maintain righteousness. And then he says, look at why. Only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. That is a reason word. And why are they doing this? They want to avoid. And the verb tense in the Greek is continually. They want to continually avoid the pain and the shame of bearing and sharing the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does pain and shame sometimes come along with bearing the cross for Jesus? It does, doesn't it? 
right? When we take up our cross and follow Jesus, there's some persecution that happens, isn't there? Are you guys with me? In our country, not, so, not really too, too much. I mean, we think persecution is, you know, someone said I'm a dumb Christian. And now I'm going to sing the blues, the poor Mimi's, right? But our, listen, our brothers and sisters, many of the missionaries we support, their lives are on the line every single day for bearing the cross and sharing the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we share the cross of Jesus Christ, persecution comes too, doesn't it? Jesus said that's going to happen, right? If it happened to the master, it's going to happen to the disciples as well. That, and, and who knows what's going to happen in our country? You know what I'm saying, gang? I may be having a prison ministry. I may get fitted for an orange jumpsuit or whatever. You just never know. Or, you know, off goes the head. But as Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. Right? And, and, if, and, and, and if or when persecution does ramp up, you know what happens in those countries where it does? The church gets stronger. Because what begins to happen is it weeds out the genuine from the, the lukewarm or the cold. And all that's left are those that are, I pray, oh God, help us that we would be like Jesus said about John the Baptist, that we would be burning and shining lamps. Burning, burn, we shine because we're burning within us. That's how that happens. Have a burning heart for Jesus, loving him. And so, um, so Paul talks about here that they, they don't want to suffer persecution. Remember, much of the persecution that Paul suffered was from who? His fellow, his fellow countrymen, the Jews, right? Because remember when he would go... Wherever he would go, he would go to the Jew first, the synagogue. You guys remember that in the book of Acts? And what would happen when he pulled in and shared? Everybody loving? Oh, thank you. Thank you for traveling all these miles. Is that how he was welcomed? No. Like everywhere he went, he was going to get a beat down or stoned with rocks or whatever. It was heavy. Are you guys with me? In fact, think about the Apostle Paul before he got saved. He was a religious monster, wasn't he? Who did he persecute? Christians. Paul, a religious, zealot, monster, legalist, persecuted Christians. He knew better than anyone else, as we read through this, the issues with these false teachers, with these Judaizers, because Paul was one himself, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Jew of Jews engaged in all this, trying to attain righteousness and maintain righteousness. Paul knew, and he knew what that would produce in a life. And it's not good stuff. Legalism doesn't produce anything good, gang. It doesn't produce a holy life. It produces religious monsters. And so Paul is saying, you know what Paul's saying? Let's just look at this verse again. Paul is saying these guys are doing this to get the Jews off their backs. If they can convince the Jews that Christianity is just like Judaism, just another flavor, then they're not, we're not going to get hassled. They're not going to get hassled. They're not going to get harassed. And the problem is, is that Christianity is radically different from Judaism. Christianity is a relationship with the true and the living God through Jesus Christ. And so Paul identifies the problem here with these guys, and the problem is the self. Is the self a problem with us? It is, isn't it? 
So their problem, the, the number one problem as we begin this and kind of just break it down the next two verses, and then the contrast with Paul is that number one, the problem is self-righteousness. You guys know what self-righteousness is? They're communicating, they're saying, in essence, we can make ourselves righteous before God. That, okay, it's okay you gave, it's okay you gave Jesus your life, but there's more. You need to do this and do that. that what, is, what does God say about our own attempts at righteousness? You guys remember what it says in Isaiah? They're like filthy rags, dirty, stinky rags. We don't need to go any deeper into that. That's what God says. When you try to earn right standing before him, he says, stinky, filthy, nasty. Why? Because the only righteousness that he will accept is the righteousness that's given to us in Jesus Christ. So important to understand. So they're self-righteous, and so they're self-seeking. Look what it says in that verse. They want to make a good showing in the flesh. Look at how righteous we are. We're keeping these rules. We're keeping these standards. Check us out. And then notice the last thing is that they, that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. You know what that self issue is? It's, do you guys know what it is? Self what? Self-preservation. You guys with me on that? Self-preservation. They were, they were looking to save their lives, looking to preserve their lives, to live pain-free, difficulty-free Christianity. Can that happen? Can you live pain-free, difficulty-free Christianity? No way, because Jesus said up front, like no asterisks, no little, you know, uh, check at the bottom for, for more details. He said, you've chosen the narrow way, and it is difficult. He let us know right up front. You know what I'm saying? You guys still with me this morning. He said, it's difficult, and it's hard swimming against the current, isn't it? It's hard to swim against the current. At work, in, the, in, in, in the, the business place, at school, you're living for Jesus. It's not easy. Or wherever you're at. And so what they were doing was they modified the message because they didn't want to identify with the cross of Christ. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a bad thing. They were compromising to keep their comfort. They, you know what they had a fear of? You guys know what they had a fear of? Fear of offending people. Can that happen sometimes with us? We have, a, we have a fear of offending people. And some folks compromise the truth of the gospel to make it more palatable. To water it down. Why? Because they don't want to offend people. They de-emphasize the cross. Can, can I encourage us this morning? There is to be no compromise when it comes to the cross. There is no Christianity without the cross. Because it's the only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. His shed blood. Is it okay to say blood in church? Of course it is. Is it okay to stay, still say hell in church? He saves us from hell. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> like these are words that are getting removed from the church. Sin. Hell, judgment, blood. You can't sing a song about blood. You may turn people off. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What? Oh, precious is the flow. 
No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if that offends you, you know what? Take it up with the Lord. Because he poured out his life for you because he loves you. That's how we know love, that he gave his life for us. And so the cross is offensive, isn't it? The cross is offensive, and it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do you guys realize that this morning? I would say this morning, the answer to every one of your problems this morning is the cross. You having marital problems? You know what the answer is? It's not go see a therapist. <gasps> Can he say that? I'll tell you right, I'll tell you right now. The answer is not going to a psychiatrist. It's not going to a psychologist. It's not Googling it. It's not buying a book. It's not going to a marriage conference. You know what the solution is? The cross. Because where do wars and fights come from? Selfishness. By pride comes nothing but strife. It's our selfishness. Jesus said, if we want to follow him, we are to deny ourselves and take up our cross. How? Quarterly? Bi-monthly? Daily. That's the answer. If we want to see life, if we want to experience life in our ministries, we have to die to ourself, to our selfishness, our, our self-seeking, our self-preservation. I mean, I think about how many people want to preserve their lives. What did Jesus say? You want to save your life, what? Lose it. He who seeks to save his life, you're going to lose it, man, and you will lose it. You'll lose it up here, and then maybe even eternally if you're living for the things of this world exclusively. I would say the answer to every one of our problems today, I'm, I'm including myself here, and every difficulty that comes our way, we say to the Lord, we say to ourselves, how can I find a way to die in this? You know what I'm saying by that? How can I die to my selfishness? I do it when I take out the kitty litter every week. <laughs> I've learned that you're just panning for gold. <laughs> Lord, hear the melody in my heart as this is going on. But the self, the self is what is our problem, correct? And the self needs to what? Needs to be denied and crucified. Another song, some lyrics for us. There you go, if you can do a rap song. Verse 13. <laughs> These people who think that this ritual will make you right with God, they don't keep the rules themselves. But these people, what? They want you to perform this ritual. Why? So they can brag about what they've accomplished in your flesh. Notice two things. Hypocrisy is involved, right? They're what? They're telling you to do this, but they're not keeping the rules themselves. They're preaching something they didn't practice. Does that sound like anybody else in the Bible, by the way? The Pharisees, right? The Pharisees. Jesus even told them, listen, you're laying trips on people. You're putting burdens on people. You're not even willing to lift up your finger. And that's a problem. Listen, that's a problem for us, especially those that communicate the word of God. We shouldn't be asking people to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. Are you with me? That's for all of us, really. That's for every single one of us. And so Jesus addressed that. And uh, legalists, you know what legalists do? They hide what they are really like. And legalism doesn't produce a holy life, but actors, pretenders, fakes, because there's something one way in public, 
and there's something totally different in private. And that's what, that's what legalism produces. I, I set standards, I worship my standards, but I don't keep the standards. And I tell everybody else to keep the standards, but I don't. And so it's a danger. And Paul is warning the church here about this. Because, the be- listen, the beauty of the cross is that we don't need to be actors. We don't need to be hypocrites. We don't need to be phonies. Because why? Aren't we all in the same boat? Aren't we all in need of the cross? Aren't we all in need of his forgiveness? And we only get righteousness one way. We can't make that righteousness better. We all receive the free gift of righteousness. All of us are a work in progress, correct? Has anybody arrived yet spiritually? I just want to make sure I got a, can't see back through. No. Listen, we're, if we're all a work in progress, should we be patient with one another? Should we love one another? Help one another? Sin sniff one another? Criti- criticize? No. Build up, strengthen, exhort, challenge sometimes. Yet we're to provoke one another to love and good works, it tells us in Hebrews. And so Paul reminds the church here, listen, there's hypocrisy involved. And then notice something else. They wanted to make God's people their trophies, not followers of Jesus Christ. They do this. Why? They they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They're walking around saying, look at how many foreskins we got. No, we got more than you. That's what's happening. Like, isn't that weird? Like, the whole thing is weird, isn't it? Like, that whole deal? But really, legalists are all about the image, Right? Look what, we, look what we did over here. Look what we've accomplished. And they make it all about them and not about God. And what begins to happen, people's eyes get taken off the Lord and onto men. And they're looking for the praise of men, the, uh, the, the pats on the back, the attaboys for men, rather than the amen of the Holy Spirit or the pleasure of the Lord. It's become all about them. And so it's no longer about Jesus. So these guys boast in the flesh. What does Paul boast in? The cross, thank you. Let's look at the next verse. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing this to you in giant font, kindergarten alphabet letters. I want you to understand it's about the cross about the cross by whom or by which your Bible may say the cross by the cross the world has been crucified to me you know and I think sometimes we read that and go well wait a minute didn't God so love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believes in him shall never perish but have everlasting life why is Paul crucified to the world if God loves the world we're talking about here the world with all of its values, with all of its morals, with all of its philosophies, with all of its wisdom, Paul says, you know what? The world is dead to me. 
I'm no longer walking in worldly wisdom. I'm no longer living for the things that the world promotes and says, you need to have. You need to have, you need to have uh, power. You need to have money. You need to have fame and fortune. I'm not living for any of that anymore. I used to live for that. Didn't he talk about that in Philippians? Hey, here's, before I came to know Christ, here's my, here's my trophies. All my gains. Boom, 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 boom. But then I came to know Jesus Christ, and I count the all as lost, all as a, a pile of manure. And he says here, the world's dead to me. I'm no longer operating in that realm because the whole world, the Bible says, lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole direction, the moral compass, the values, right? The stuff they teach our kids, they try to... Im- pour into our kids. I'm learning more. I can't, I'm so stoked for my girls. They're like, I don't know yet, fight the power. (laughs) They're like, no way. This is in college, a Christian college that used to be like on fire for Jesus and the word of God. And now it's just like, and I'm so proud of my girls. Remember to pray for them. Because they're swimming upstream. Any dead fish can swim downstream. They're swimming upstream. And it's glorious. Well, all those things, the perversion, the thinking, the values, the wisdom of this present evil age, man, that's been put to death to me. And notice what else he says. And I, to the world, there's like, like on Calvary, three crosses, Jesus in the middle, and then on either side of Jesus, right? Paul says, the world's crucified to me, and I'm crucified to the world. I'm no longer living for the things of the world. Those things are dead to me, and I'm dead to them. I'm crucified to the world. All those things I tried to do to impress others, all those things I tried to do to get attention, the praise of man, All those things I once counted dear, I now count as loss. All the wisdom I once walked in, it's crucified. I'm crucified. The very things that Jesus was tempted in. Do you guys remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? You guys remember what it was? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Right? Satan took Jesus up that high mountain in a moment's time and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. You can have all this. Just bow down and worship me. It's all yours. You don't need to go to the cross. Take the easy way out. That, listen, the enemy still does that today. You don't need, again, you don't need to take up the cross. You don't need to stay in that marriage. You don't need to put up with your parents. You don't need to put up with those people at work. Why not dying to yourself and seeing what Jesus will do? Taking up your cross, watching his resurrection power, sharing the good news of the gospel, praying, God, give me boldness like the early church. Lord, I need your boldness. I need your strength. Do you think he'll give it to you? He will. That's where the resurrection power is. That's where the demonstration of the spirit is. And Paul says here what? He would continually boast in the cross. What does the cross do? That's something we boast in. Think about the cross with me. The cross deals a death blow to religion. 
It deals a death blow to our pride because there's no other way to be saved. Correct? There's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. The cross is the great equalizer. We all need the cross because we're all sinners separated from God in need of a Savior. The cross means, though, when I come to the cross and surrender, it means I don't need to follow rules any longer to make myself right with God. The cross means the work is done. What did Jesus say in his dying breath? It is finished. To tell us die, paid in paid in full. Your sin debt's paid in full. It's gone. I've taken care of it. That means the cross means complete forgiveness of our sins. The cross means the free gift of righteousness when I trust in Jesus Christ. The cross means I am alive, no longer dead in my sins and trespasses. The cross means I'm headed to, hate, headed to heaven because of my Savior, Jesus Christ. The cross means Jesus lives in me and fixes me and helps me and strengthens me. The cross means all that I am is because of him. That should be our only boast, guys, shouldn't it? That should be our boast, like Paul. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, whether I perform the ritual or don't perform it, they avail what? They don't avail anything. But what does matter? A new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has. The new has come. I looked up this word new. I'd never seen this before. New in, in the Greek means new in quality, fresh in development, because not found exactly like this before. I think that's a beautiful definition because what happens? We, we give our hearts to Jesus, right? The Bible says we're born again by the Spirit, correct? And God does what? A work, it's a work that God does in you, right? You become new. You get a fresh start. It's not, a, it's not an extreme makeover. It's an extreme takeover, right? He comes in with everything, all his stuff. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so he comes in. God wanted to be as close as possible to you. So where does he come? Right into our hearts. That's glorious, isn't it? I think it's great to be reminded of that. He wanted to be as close as possible to you and to me. So he comes right into our hearts. And there's two ways you can live. You can live man-made religion full of phoniness and hypocrisy, trying to impress man, or it's the cross. Either way. The cross makes me new. I got a fresh start. Those things, the shortcomings, the failures are all gone. They've been dealt with. I have a new way of life, a new direction of life, new power, new strength. The Holy Spirit is our... The Holy Spirit is our helper, our comforter, right? He leads us into all truth. Isn't that beautiful to consider this morning the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives? He empowers us to be the witnesses for Jesus. He changes and shapes us and molds us by his grace. I got, listen, I got nothing to boast in but the cross. It's because of what he did, what Jesus did. That's why Paul says this. I'm writing to you in large letters. You need to get this. It's about the cross. That's what matters. 
not your circumcision, not your religious rituals, not your keeping of rules. What matters is the cross. That's what it's all about. That's what needs to be our boast. None of that stuff matters but a new creation, and we become new because of the cross. Look at the last three verses. How are we doing on time? Oh, it doesn't matter because second service. We can start Ephesians too. How's that sound? Cool? All right. And, and, and as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Not yet. No, no, no. Don't shut it down just yet. Because there's so much in here that we need to look at. And so he says, as many, Pastor, I, said, I thought you said it's not about keeping the rules, man. He just, he's talking about rules here. He said, look what he says. Those who are, are walking, as many as walk, that means to be in step with or moving forward, according to this rule. What's the rule or what's the standard? It's the cross. It's the gospel. It's the, the, the new life, the fresh start. That's what he's talking about. If that's you, that your boast is the cross, you've given your heart to Jesus, you're boasting in the cross, you're a new creation. Isn't that a blessing? What, what's going to be upon you? Look what it says. What's going to be upon you? Peace and mercy. Does anybody like peace? Peace and quiet? I need my peace and quiet. I love peace. And so there's two types of peace biblically. We'll talk about this more next week. But there's peace with God when we give our hearts to Jesus, correct? Romans 5. But there's also the peace of... You guys already know. The peace of God, Philippians 4, right? That surpasses all understanding. Peace is a result or a fruit also of the Spirit, correct? Yes? Yes. Love, joy, peace. Jesus said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. So it's a a fruit of being connected to Jesus. Peace is is connected with prayer too. Because people ask me sometimes, Pastor, I got no peace. I'm struggling. And... The Bible says that when you, Isaiah 26, 3, when your mind is stayed upon him, he'll give you perfect peace. Isn't that an amazing promise? It's, again, it's, it's, coming, it's out of communion, fellowship, connection with Jesus in prayer and in the word. What begins to happen? You see that the Lord is faithful to his promises. He ministers to your heart. And man, peace is, his peace is awesome. But who's it for? It's, it's for those that have peace with God. Those that have surrendered. They've given their hearts to Jesus. They're new creations. If, if maybe you're saying, I have no peace whatsoever this morning in my life, maybe, maybe you need to give your heart to Jesus. Maybe you need to give it to him afresh this morning. Because he promises it in his word. In his word, is faithful and true. Not only peace, but mercy. Does anybody like mercy? You get what you don't deserve. Does anybody pray, give me justice, Lord? <laughs> no, we pray, Lord, give me mercy. 
fresh batch of mercies tomorrow. Anybody, anybody ready for a fresh batch tomorrow? I gotta wait that long? No, we can boldly come before the throne of grace anytime, anywhere to find grace and mercy, help in our time of need. Why? Because of the cross. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have full access to the throne of grace to find what we need. And he says, be upon them. I think he's talking about both Gentile believers and upon, when he says the Israel of God, it's speaking of Jewish believers, those that have truly responded to the gospel. Is, you guys know what Israel means? Anybody know what Israel means? Thank you. Ruled by God. They're ruled by God. Remember when Jacob got his name changed? You guys remember that? What did he do? What did happen? Did he play ping pong with God? What happened? He, he wrestled with God. That's right. Thank you. He got a name change. Jacob, Jacob, heel catcher, conniver, schemer. He needed to be broken. Israel means ruled by God. I'm surrendered. So I think what, what Paul is saying here is peace, mercy upon both Gentile and Jewish believer. And the thing is, here's the deal with that. Everyone must pass through the same door to get saved. You know what I'm talking about? Do we all need to pass through the same door to get saved? Do we need to pass? Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture, beautiful passage. And Jesus goes on to say, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so he's talking, Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, bringing both Jewish believer and Gentile believer, together, one flock, no separation, no wall of division. We'll talk about that next week in Ephesians or two weeks, maybe a month from now. <laughs> Let's finish up. Look at the next verse. Mercy feels good too, doesn't it? Not only should we be recipients, but, and peace too, guys. What's the application here, man? How do we apply this, pastor, as we head on home? Listen, we have peace to give. We've been recipients of peace. Blessed are the people that win the fight, the argument. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We like mercy flowing towards us, right, upon us. There needs to be an outflow of giving people what they don't deserve, bringing peace. Some people bring peace wherever they go. Some people bring peace whenever they go. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. It's okay. Just think about that. Look at what he says here. From now on, let no one trouble me. For all the haters. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. My body is scarred. Some, there's one translation that says, My body is scarred with holy scars for serving Jesus. I 
those are the true identifying marks of belonging to Jesus, not circumcision. It's almost as Paul says, you want to see, you want to see my marks? Here they are. The scars of serving Jesus. And, and I, you know, I really, I, I've been struggling with this, wrestling with this all week, because I don't quite understand it completely. But somehow our sufferings are connected to Jesus. Those scars have meaning. They connect us with him. And some of us, anybody have scars here? You guys have any scars? You don't need to show them, just curious. <laughs> if you, you guys got scars? Some are from doing stupid stuff, right? Yeah, I went on this BMX, <laughs> whacked my noggin, or whatever, you know what I'm saying. You know, when people harm God's people, Jesus sees it as persecuting him. Harming him. Didn't Jesus say that? He said it to, to, to Paul. Before he got saved, remember? What was he called before he got saved? What was his name? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who is he persecuting? The church. And Jesus saw that as he was being harmed. And life is difficult. The narrow road is difficult. And when we live godly in Christ Jesus, it can get difficult. There's persecution. We have scars. There's hurts. There's hurts serving the Lord, isn't there? It's a hurt serving the Lord. There is. There's scars. And, and listen, I'm learning scars are where, I mean, isn't it where healing has taken place? Who's the one who heals us? Jesus does. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you've got some scars. They're still open. Well, maybe, maybe they're not scars yet. They're open wounds. Because you've been hurt. I know some of us have been hurt by churches. I know some people that won't come back to church because they've been hurt in church. And I would say this morning, maybe the Lord wants to heal you and turn that wound into a scar. Something special the Lord wants to do. Because not all of our scars are outward. Many of them are inward, aren't they? In our hearts. Maybe even not associated with serving the Lord. Maybe just living your life you've been hurt. Do you know Jesus knows? Do you know he knows better than anyone else this morning? How does he know, Mike? Because he walked in our shoes. He is the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. A, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. This morning you bring your bruised life to him. Whatever it is, you know, but it's between you and the Lord. Maybe this morning, because he, he's here with the power to heal. Maybe it has been in ministry. Those scars, listen, those scars bear meaning. They connect us with Jesus. We serve a Lord who understands how we feel. And he knows because he took the wounds for you and for me. In fact, remember what he showed his disciples after he rose again from the dead? He showed them his wounds, didn't he? 
That's the one, listen, that's the one man-made thing that will be in heaven. Right? John saw Jesus as the lamb bearing the marks of slaughter. I'm learning my pain connects me with him in a unique way. Again, I don't know how it all works, but God has allowed those to develop us into what he wants us to be, and we're being conformed to the image of who? Of Jesus. All of those hurts, all of those pains, all of those scars to make us more like him. Will you embrace Will you embrace it this morning and say, okay, God, would you heal me? Would you touch my heart, my life, my mind? And you look at your scars and they were painful, yet they remind you that you have a unique connection with Jesus that you wouldn't have had any other way but through that. Are you with me? I, driving by the, the, uh, the memorial graveyard over here, we come down uh, Cypress North Houston and Every time I drive by there, I'm, I'm, reminding, I'm reminded of Sierra Rod, girl, the young girl from our church who was murdered. That's, for me, that's an, inward, that's an inward scar, a pain, seeing what all that family has gone through because their child was murdered and being with them and ministering to them. I look at Kunle and Aaron. They're not here good. I can, I can talk about them. <laughs> But you guys remember, some of you, little Elizabeth went home to be with Jesus. There's pain with that. I mean, pain with the family, walking through that with them. But the Lord brings healing, you guys. He'll heal your heart. He's so gracious and kind. He's such a good God, isn't he? Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us this time, Lord, to be together, to have the freedom to gather, the comfort of this place. You've been so good to provide for us in so many different ways. Ultimately, the freedom that that you have given us because of the cross, Jesus. You've set us free. You've given us life. Thank you so much. Lord, forgive us. We boast in so much junk, God. Knowingly, unknowingly, 